Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Good morning. So good to be in church today. Great to see everybody. Uh, thanks to uh, all those who uh, served yesterday at our food drop in the wind and the rain and a wild day. Thank you for serving at that. We had a great successful uh, food drop yesterday. Uh, so many things happening in these days. We had a nice uh, graduation service last Thursday night for uh, seven Stevens Ministry graduates. Those are seven members of the congregation who went through 20 weeks of training uh, to learn to better care for others who are going through crisis or uh, problems, uh, needing Christ-centered care and direction and challenges they may be facing in their life. So praise God for them. We had an um, awesome Easter weekend last weekend. So thanks to everybody who uh, attended an Easter service and who served to make Easter a weekend possible. Uh, we saw several new people as guests. We saw uh, people come to Christ. Uh, we baptized 11 people. 11 people came forward to be baptized last weekend. So praise God for that. Uh, now uh, we are kind of, as a church, uh, turning the page, looking forward to a day, a weekend, the first weekend of June, where Rockbrook is going to celebrate its 25th birthday as a church family, church body. Yeah, praise God for that. Amazing. Anybody who is there that first weekend is shocked that uh, we're still here today. That's for sure. It's a miracle of God, and we're going to celebrate it. And so as we approach that weekend, uh, I, I wanted to do, I, I have a message for that weekend. I've got something on my heart, uh, just even in the season as I think about this milestone birthday. And I really wanted to do a series leading up to that where we clarify God's vision for your future, we clarify God's vision for the church and the church's future, uh, because I believe those two things parallel. Like God wants you to be, when you become a Christian, you become part of the body of Christ, the family of God, the New Testament calls you part of the church. And so I believe that the visions for what God wants to do in his church and what he wants to do in your life obviously have very many parallels because uh, we are the church. We are the body of Christ. And so I want to do a series on clarifying God's vision for your future. As your pastor, when you get to the end of your life, I want you to be able to say something the Apostle Paul was able to say near the end of his life. Where he said to a king, King Agrippa, he said, I have obeyed the vision God gave me. I obeyed the vision God gave me. And I believe we're seeing the results in our culture, in our society, of what it looks like when people do not have a clear vision for their life. Where they're headed, whose life that, who their life belongs to. And for instance, an unclear vision, the Bible says that when you don't have vision, unclear vision leads to a number of things. One of them is it leads to division. It leads to disunity. Are we seeing in our society, in our families, in our nation, our culture, division and disunity? Yes, we are. Uh, another thing that unclear vision leads to is people aren't decisive. 
When you don't have vision, it leads to indecision. Meaning uh, you just kind of wander through life and life just kind of comes at you and you're drifting through. There's no plan. There's no, uh, there's no vision or of, of what your life will mean and what leg- your legacy will look like. And so when you don't have vision, you kind of waste time and opportunities and you don't make the most of what you've been given. You're not being a good steward of life. You end up just coasting. And you know, anytime that you're coasting, you're always headed downhill. And it's inevitable that at some point, another thing that the Bible says happens when you don't have vision is uh, you collide with things, that there's collision. And for many people, life is just a series of collisions, of confrontations, of crashes, of personal crisis after one after another. And it's just one dead end after another. And life is kind of like a bumper car ride and you're bumping into everything else on all sides. Here's the problem though. The world's answer to that is that you should look within or that you should just kind of come up with a vision for your life. The problem is if you just make up a vision for your life, that's no better than coasting. If you just make up what being a Christian should look like, that's no better. If you just make up what church ought to look like and what following God ought to look like or in what who God is and you just make all that up in your own mind in your own image well that's that's no better either and the result is is always even more division disunity indecision collision and what you want is you want God's vision for your life you want to be able to see things clearly see with eyes of faith rather than with eyes of fear. And we're going to look at that today. How to see God's vision for your life with eyes of faith. That's going to be the introduction message, the starting point of this series. And to do that, I want us to go back to an account that uh, involves Moses and the Jewish slaves. This is uh, accounted for in the Old Testament. The Jewish slaves who had been freed by God from 400 years of slavery in Egypt. Now, here's the background. We're going to look at uh, Numbers chapter 13 and 14. Numbers is the fourth book in your Bible. I'll also have uh, the verses in your notes and on the screen. I really just want you to see, as we do each week, uh, God's Word this weekend, how to live by it. But here's the background. In the book of Numbers, God had promised these freed slaves a homeland, a homeland of their own. And he calls it the promised land land because he's promising it to them he says I'm going to set you free from Egypt I'm going to take you to the promised land it represented their future their inheritance everything that God wanted them to enjoy and it would become the land of Israelite or Israel I'm thinking of the Israelites now after the they crossed the desert so they've gone through the red the parting of the Red Sea miraculously crossing the desert these freed slaves come to the very edge of the promised land. And Moses chooses 12 representatives, one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, to go and spy out the land. He says, I want you to go check it all out. They can't send in drones. They can't look up satellite footage. The scouts can't go in and take pictures and bring the pictures back. He says, you're just going to have to go and take notes and come back and report on everything that you see in this land that God has promised us. And it's a fact-finding mission. It's a vision trip. 
Moses says, go into the new land that represents our future and find out everything of what it's like. See everything you can. Then come and report back to us what you find out. So we see in Numbers chapter 13, verse 17, Moses gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go north through the Negev into the hill country. See what the land is like and find out whether the people, are living, the people living there are strong or weak. Are they few or many? See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops you see. Now he wants them to see it. Uh, A, so they can deal with the facts of what they're about to enter into. But B, so Moses can get the tribes of Israel to get a vision for their future. That's good leadership. You're, you're never going to sacrifice for something that you can't see the vision of it. You can't see the reward of it. And you can't think about the reward of it. So he wants them to see this. In verse 21, so... They went up and explored the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob near Lebo Hamath. Going north, they passed through the Negev and arrived at Hebron, where Ahimin, Sheshai, and Talmai, all the descendants of Anak, lived. The ancient town of Hebron was found seven years before the Egyptian town of Zoan. When they came to the valley of Eshol, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. They also brought back samples of the pomegranates and figs. So this promised land is so fruitful and incredibly prosperous that they're bringing back giant fruit. I mean, I've never seen a cluster of grapes so big that it took two guys uh, to haul it off and to carry it. This is supernatural. It's miracle gross crop. Verse 25, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. So all this sounds promising, but there is a problem, and it has to do with their vision, and that's what we're going to look at today. Twelve spies were sent in to scout out the land that God had promised them. Ten of those twelve spies when they come back to give their scouting news, their scouting report, they report with much fear. They look at their future with eyes of fear. I just want to pause before we get into it and ask you, how are you looking at the future? How are you looking at the promises of God in your own life? Are you looking at it with eyes of Faith or with eyes of fear? Are you expecting God to fulfill his promise? Are you expecting God to do something great in your life? Are you expecting God to do something great in our church? And this account of the Israelites shows us what happens when the vision of your future is based in fear instead of faith. 
So let's get into this. You know the background, looking at the future with fear, which 10 of the 12 spies did, it causes all kinds of problems. In fact, in this account, in this story here, we see the traps that we fall into when we look at the future with fear. Watch what happens. I'll read the verse here under point number one, then we'll look at the point together. Numbers 13, verse 27 says, this was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces, and I just picture, you know, it taking two guys, and they stand up maybe on some rock or slab, and show here's the fruit it produces, amazing, incredible. But now there's this conflicting information, look at it with me, verse 28, say this first word with me, but, but the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants living there, the descendants of Anak. Number one, we learned that when I focus on fear, the vision of my life, I overemphasize the negative in my life. When you overemphasize the negative in your life, it creates a lot more stress in your life. When you look at everything with fear, you worry you end up looking at only what you could lose, not what you could gain. You end up looking at only what you've lost, not what you gain. Now, of course, life is full of negatives, right? Uh, I mean, not all news is positive. Everything is broken on this planet. We live on a fallen planet, and everything has been infiltrated by sin. Not all news is positive. But you do have a choice in choosing what you're going to focus on and what you're going to look to. Am I a citizen of this broken planet or am I a citizen of heaven? Is my hope in things working out here or is my hope in God working all things together for my good? The majority of the spies, 10 of the 12, brought back conflicting news with eyes of fear. 10 of them forgot this was promised land. By the way, I think that ratio still holds true. For every positive news story, you're going to hear five negative news stories. For every one positive rumor going around your office at work, you're going to hear five negative rumors. For every one positive uh, thing happening in your school or being rumored about in your school, you're going to hear five negative rumors reports and negative rumors. Experts tell us that negative news spreads about 10 times faster than positive news. And there are plenty of people who want to help you emphasize the negative in your life. If you're having a good day, there are plenty of people who will remind you of all the reasons that you should not be having a good day. That's the first trap, is, man, look, it's prosperous, it's great, it's promised, but, and focus on all the negative. This, this is the second trap, Numbers thirteen twenty nine. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country. This is their report, saying where everybody lives. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. So they're coming back, they're saying, uh, this land's all spoken for. I don't know why God promised it to us. It's all used up. What's the use? What's the point? The spiritual principle here is that it's a scarcity mentality. 
And the trap is that number two, when I focus on fear in my life, I pay too much attention to what others are doing. I mean, what they're saying is that the spies come back and say, there's not enough room for us. All the good land's already taken by the other tribes. I don't know why this was promised to us. Looks like everybody got to it first. There aren't enough resources for everybody. Why did God bring us here? Now, if you look at your future with a scarcity mentality, like there's not enough, uh, you're going to say, you know, God's already done the work in another person. All the good experiences are gone. All the good jobs are already taken. All the good houses are already bought. All the good husbands are already married. And you're going to look around with a scarcity mentality. You've got to look with the eyes of faith. But you can't do that when you're too focused comparing yourself, your ministry, your calling, your vision, God's promises with the world and everything else. Therefore, what we see in verse 31, it says, let's read this verse out loud together. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. And when we look at the eyes, when we look at the vision with eyes of fear rather than faith, we see the third trap we fall into, and that is I underestimate the abilities God gives me. I underestimate the abilities God has given me when I look at the future with fear. You've got a vision that's based on fear, it's going to limit your entire life. And you're going to miss opportunities. You're going to waste talent that God has put inside you. And you're going to set yourself up with self-defeating and self-fulfilling negative prophecies. Because the person, the family, the church that says we can and the purpose or the person the family the church that says we can't they're generally both right they're normally correct about that the ministry team that says well we can't do that they're probably going to be right about it the ministry team the family the person that says uh, we can we can certainly do that what, what, are you ask, what are you setting yourself up for in the future? What are you setting yourself up for in your faith and your attitude? What are you setting yourself up for in the people that you listen to? The programs that you turn on? The messaging that you plug into? How are you seeing yourself? The spies with fear-based vision saw themselves as inadequate. That we can't go up against them. We see in verse 32... The land we traveled through and explored will devour, and that word in the Hebrew actually means to eat up, like they're going to eat our lunch. It will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Now these are the, the Anakin's uh, descendants of Skywalker. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. You see what they're saying there? We, we ourselves are just bugs to be devoured. That we're goners. They're giants, they're bullies, they're tyrants, they're a bunch of NFL linebackers over there, and here we are, just these weaklings. 
And this is how we see ourselves. And what are they doing? They're messaging to these people, this is what we felt, and here's what you ought to feel like too about it. Here's how you ought to feel. And that's one of the problems with a fear-based vision is you project your fears on everybody else. If you think you look a certain way, you think other people ought to uh, feel that way. And it's a trap. It leads to number four, that I infect... I infect others with my negativity. Did you know that fear is contagious? Did you know that you can infect others with fear? Did you know that parents can pass on fears to kids? It can actually be passed from generation to generation. Numbers 13, 32. Let's read this out loud together. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. This is what happens when you become afraid. As you start talking negative, you start complaining, start griping, start talking trash. This is why, by the, by the way, why the Bible says, we just came out of the book of Proverbs, says so often in there, that don't hang out with scoffers. Don't listen to mockers. Don't, don't plug into negative people and critics and complainers. Friend, you don't have to fear what other people fear. You don't have to be afraid of what other people are afraid of. Just because someone else has a negative opinion of something doesn't mean you have to have a negative opinion about it. The same is true in the inverse. Just because you're afraid of something doesn't mean everyone else around you has to be afraid of it too. Just because you have a fear doesn't mean everyone else has to adopt that fear as well. You live by God's vision in your school. You don't have to feel the way everyone in your school feels about something. You live in God's vision in your work. You don't have to adopt all the negativity or the fear in your workplace. Don't infect others with your negativity because if you do, you don't have eyes of faith, you have eyes of fear. Which, let me recap really quick, leads to I overemphasize the negativity in my life. I pay too much attention to what others are doing. I underestimate the abilities God gives me. I infect others with my negativity. And number five, what do we see with the Israelites is I make myself miserable. When I look at my life and I look at my future with eyes of fear, I just make myself miserable. And here's what happened after they came back with this fear-based report. Numbers 14, verse 1. Then the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt, or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Can you imagine? Then they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. We would rather have stayed slaves in Egypt than go and face what is unknown in our future. We would rather just die in the desert right here than go in and face the unknown because we're so afraid. Now this is a very important verse because uh, this passage right here, because this tells us uh, how we can know how we're looking at our future with either eyes of fear or eyes of faith. With these four things that the Israelites do, 
we can know. Four warning lights that tell us, are we looking at the future with faith or with fear? Notice four things with me. I did not have room for this in your notes, but if you want to jot it down in a margin, you're welcome to. Four warning lights of fear. The first is sadness increases. Where am I getting that? Well, it says that they cried all night. And sadness can often be a symptom of fear. Another warning light of fear is your complaining increases. Has your spouse noticed you complaining a lot more lately? It says they grumbled and complained. Why? Because they were afraid. Third is you start second-guessing your leaders. It says they grumbled and complained in great chorus against their leaders, Moses and Aaron. They said, we wish you hadn't have even led us here. You're doing a lousy job leading us. We'd rather be back in slavery than be under your leadership. And fourth, you want to go backwards. You want to go back to a prior time. They said it would have been better for us to have died in Egypt. Now, they didn't really want that. There's many things that man, we'll think back on of, man, I wish it was more like this. Remember it was like that? And we forget, well, we complained about it then too. <laughs> it had its problems there too. And those are signs that, warning signs, warning lights, that were living based on fear rather than with a vision of faith. So what's the answer? Well, that's what we're going to look at in the days ahead. Again, this message is just an introductory message. But the antidote, the answer in a sense, sentence, is to develop a life vision, if you're taking notes, of faith. Let's put that up there, Abby. Thank you. Develop a life vision of faith. You need a life vision of faith. You need to see with the eyes of faith, not fear. Now, there were two guys, so I keep talking about the ten spies, 12 were sent in. There were two spies who were the minority report, and they were Caleb and Joshua, and they were the only two guys who eventually got to go into the promised land. God uh, let the rest of them get what they wanted, and they died in the desert, and God let them die out there. Numbers 13.30 says, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. He said, let's go do it right now. You defeat fear not by arguing against your fears. You defeat fear with movement. Not by discussing it, not by focusing on it, but by opposing it, by moving against it. By doing the thing that you fear the most. Then in verse 6, Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing. Let me pause there. This is, they're standing before the people. This is a gesture to show, this is serious, it's a gesture of grief to say, uh, listen everybody, if, if we don't follow God here, we're rebelling against God. And they're tearing their clothes in grief to demonstrate that. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. One plus God is a majority. 
one plus God, if God is for us, who can be against us? Now here's the problem. Sadly, that generation of Israelites chose to believe the majority report of fear rather than the minority report of faith. And they all died in the desert over the next 40 years until a new generation grew up and they would be allowed to enter the promised land. God kept his promise. But one of the saddest verses in all the Bible is Hebrews 3.19. So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. And it makes me wonder when I read it, what blessing of God am I missing out on personally because of my unbelief? What blessing of God am I missing out on because, not because God's falling short, he's going to keep his promise, but I'm not taking him up on his promise. And I want to ask this question, what blessing of God are you missing out on right now simply because you don't believe and you're looking at the eyes or you're looking at your vision with eyes of fear rather than eyes of faith. Now the starting point for getting God's vision for your life is the same for everybody. Obviously, it's to first put your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ. If you want to have a vision of faith, you've got to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And if you haven't done that, you need to ask him to put his spirit in your life. It's the only way you'll ever be able to see with eyes of faith. It's the only way you'll be able to get God's vision. In fact, in John chapter 3, this is Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus that we talked about last week. Jesus says to Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You won't get a vision for it. You can't see God's vision unless you're born again. You need this. You see, when you are born, when you're born physically, you get senses, you get the sense of hear and taste, touch, smell, and sight. When you're spiritually reborn, when you're born again, you get a new set of eyes that you can see things you didn't see before. You can hear things you didn't hear before. You can sense things you didn't sense before. But unless you're born again, you'll never see all that God has for your life, and you'll never see what the kingdom of God is up to. So here's the first step we need to take, is stop listening to our feelings, stop looking in fear, and start living in faith. Stop listening to your feelings, stop looking in fear, start living in faith. How badly do you want to see God's glory in your life? And when we just nurse our worries, they get bigger. You have to make commitments of faith. You've got to step out and move against your fear. So I want to close today praying for two different groups of people in our church this weekend. First if, is if you've never given your life to Christ, it's time to be born again. And you can start, you can begin the journey of seeing your life, the world around you, through an eternal lens that God is giving, and you can see the kingdom of God. If you're already a Christian, we're going to go over these five things that we just talked about and say, God, I don't want that in my life. I don't want that in the life of our church. I don't want that in the life of my ministry. And we're going to ask, what report are we listening to? And what report are we giving? So let's go to prayer together. Let's say, Father, I thank you that you brought us, you've brought us through. 
God, you've carried us this far. We're on the edge of whatever is about to happen in our life. And God, I thank you that you have a great new future for us. You said, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good and not to harm you. And so I pray that today as uh, we begin this new series together, that we would lay aside our eyes of fear and we would begin to see with eyes of faith. That we would get your vision for our lives. We don't want division in our lives. We don't want collision in our lives. We don't want the negativity of indecision in our lives. What we want is you. See, if you've never invited Christ into your life, why don't, why don't you say this to him? Just make a moment with him right now in your heart and mind. God created you. He knows you. He will hear you. Say, Lord Jesus, I want to be born again. I realize I need you. I need your spirit in my life. God, I need the work of the cross and the resurrection in my life to have all my sins forgiven, to have the power of the resurrection bringing me to life, giving me eternal life. Lord, I want to learn to trust you and love you. I want to see your vision, your purpose for my life in this new season. Lord, thank you that you accept me into your family on faith, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. For those of you who have already prayed that prayer, I want you to consider today, let's consider together, what report are we listening to? The 10, the majority of fear? Or are we listening to God today? The decisions you're about to make in your life, are you believing in faith? God's promises, what he says is right, what he says is wrong, where he's leading, what he's doing. What report are you giving? What are you testifying? What is your testimony of faith right now? Let's say, Father, today I want to switch from eyes of fear to eyes of faith. I don't want to fall for any of these traps that we just looked at in today's text. Instead, I want to trust you and expect great things from you and attempt great things for you. Say, God, I want to be a man of vision. God, I want to be a woman of vision. And I ask you to give me that hope, that vision. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.